Are you tired of fighting your air? Constantly lighting candles or replacing air fresheners to mask household odors from pets, smoke, musty basement, shoes, or just stagnant stuffy air, yet never gaining on it? Take charge of your air with an Easy Breathe ventilation system. For over 20 years, Easy Breathe has been providing air exchanges and reducing airborne particles by up to 85%. Right now, receive 20% off your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. Call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Hey, how's it going, listeners? This is High Stakes, Episode 1. I'm your host, Neil Orfield, hosting my first show ever, and I am on the Osmo channel. I'm guessing that if you're watching this, you probably know my first guest, Alex Baker, a.k.a. Osmo. Pretty excited to have Alex on. Couldn't really ask for a better first guest on the show. Number one DFS player in the world, fresh off a big Millie win. Uh, I just saw yesterday on Twitter somebody saying if they could talk to anybody for an hour, it would be Alex Baker. Anybody in the DFS community, they love to talk to Alex Baker. I don't take for granted how lucky I am to be able to talk with Alex for an hour, pick his brain. Um, really, all I want to talk about is his friend, $2 Jimmy. Um, but for, for the sake of the audience, I think we'll talk some DFS as well. We'll start there. Maybe we'll get to, to $2 Jimmy later on in the in the episode. Alex, how are you doing? Doing good, man. Yeah, excited to, to talk some DFS lifestyle and strategy here. I mean, there's uh, it's such a wild ride just playing DFS day in, day out that uh, there's some good stories. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Uh, I think probably the the best story that you have recently is that big Millie Maker win. Uh, I had watched a podcast with you earlier in the year, I feel like probably just a few months ago, in which you stated that one of your remaining big DFS goals was winning a Millie Maker. Now you've done it. Was that a big weight off your back? Did you feel like you really needed to do that? I feel like your your resume was pretty good without the Millie Maker win, uh, but was it a big weight off? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think everyone gets into DFS being like, I want to win a million dollars. And for a lot of people, it seems like it comes a little bit earlier. I know you had your, your big takedown uh, last season, and uh, it took a little bit longer for me. I was a little bit slow. But uh, I finally got it. Uh, I, I think I had a lot more than a million dollars in entries into million dollars the first contest. Finally binked one. And uh, that, it, like you said, it was like funny because I like uh, at the end of the last year, I'm like, done a lot. I just haven't done this one thing. I just didn't know how soon it would happen. Right. Well, you, you posted your screenshot a uh, week after winning the, the million of of I think it was contest with Millie, Millie Maker in the title or something like that. And you had been a losing player in those contests, which makes sense. Until you win one, essentially in a Millie Maker, you really need to win one uh, at, at the kind of volume that you play, especially. You're not going to be a winning player until you win one because it's so heavy to first. Uh, so finally, you were able to, in Millie Makers, be, be positive. Obviously, other contests, you're already very, very positive. So uh, you've done a lot in your career as a DFS player and good to have that one uh, crossed off. Any Definitely. other goals left for you as a DFS player that you haven't already achieved? What are you striving for these days? Yeah, one thing I'll mention there is that, like, uh, the title of the show, High Stakes, 
Like if you just enter the Millie Maker every week, like for 20 bucks, so like that's a lot different than like sometimes they run these hundred dollar ones where if you max enter, it's like 15 grand. So you can rack up a lot of entry fees pretty quick uh, in some of these Millie Makers. And that's one of the ones I won was a $2,000 one. So I'm still trying to gun for one of those uh, tournaments with a few hundred thousand people with a million to first or a live final, I'd say are, are two things that like when, when you get one of those, that's kind of the pinnacle of DFS. So in that case, so I do have something still that you haven't done because yeah. I want it in, in the $20. So that's good to know. I thought that you had, you know, crossed everything off. There was not anything that I had in DFS that you didn't have. So there's there's still one, I guess. You got to get the the highest field Millie Maker. Um, that's funny that you still feel the need to achieve that after you've already won a Millie Maker. But I guess that is how you become the number one player in the world. <laughs> Always gunning for a little bit more. Um, I will say, you said that I got mine earlier than you. I believe we established I actually started playing DFS before you did just not as just not as good as you <laughs> i started in 2013 so <laughs> nice. uh, yeah so it still took me a long time to get my first one um you you said on the you're on the lols podcast a week or so after you won the millie and you said that you're taking a step back from dfs to focus on the awesome website focus on other areas of your life did the millie factor into that decision or is that something you had already been doing had you started kind of taking a step back even before that millie maker win yeah, I think it was something I intended to do going into 2022, like where I um, I had been the number one player for a few years. Mock Lovin kind of uh, took my throne. Uh, great player, of course. Uh, so that was a great competition last year between me and him. And then uh, going into this year, as I just kind of knew it wasn't really a sustainable lifestyle to be playing every single DFS slate and then also holding down this full-time job uh, with Osimo. So that was kind of where, like, uh, like obviously, one thing's a lot more important than the other there. So I knew where to, to trim down my schedule a little bit. And it's nothing formal. It's more just that uh, if you play NBA every night, you're kind of tied up all evening. And uh, I didn't want to do that every night. But once it gets to baseball season, and you can kind of set, set your lineups at, 6 p.m. and then you're kind of just uh, chilling for the evening. I feel like I'm going to play a lot more slates than that. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that was my next question is, is what does that even look like? I mean, for a guy like me, I feel like I play very high volume, but I only play NBA, MLB. I play a little bit of PGA, and then, of course, I play NFL. Um, I play other things here and there. But for the most part, I'm, I'm only playing those main sports. It seems to me like you play every sport i mean i know that you're big into wnba you play a lot of pga you play mma uh, i think that anything that essentially is offered it seems to me like you play them and then you also i think sometimes i see you playing some of the smaller slates i don't know if you actually uh, play do you, do you play the night slates or do you only play the main slates for nba when i was really trying to grind i do night slates but I, I never like really went all out on the night slates i pretty much just had a really quick strategy that i used yeah, that's, that's essentially what I do, too. You just try to get a little bit weird on the night slate, smaller slates. But still, you're playing huge volume, so many different sports, uh, many sports in the same day. So what does it even look like for you to take a, state, a step back uh, when you're playing such high volume? I mean, are you going to be just limiting the different contests that you enter? Are you going to be no longer doing kind of the, the smaller uh, entries? Are you only going to be doing the main GPPs? Are you going to be taking entire slates off? Are you going to be taking off entire seasons of specific sports? Uh, do you have any plan for this or is it just kind of a general mindset of 
I'm going to try to, you know, relax when I need to and, and take stuff off. No longer gunning for always being the top player. What, what's your thought process here in taking a step back? Yeah, I think that um, it's not really as much about like any, like how much I'm playing on any individual slate. Uh, I think that would probably be the same as more just being able to, to take some slates off. Uh, so I'm, I've been playing, you know, like uh, at least a few times a week in every sport just because I feel like that helps me do my job uh, a lot better, just being on top of everything, but, but not necessarily trying to play every single NBA slate. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, and let's let's talk about strategy just a little bit because I think uh, that's kind of what the audience wants from you. And you you talk strategy all the time on a lot of different platforms. Um, so I'm sure people uh, have have some idea of what you do, but uh, you're still everybody wants to kind of mimic you. I think because you are the top player in the world. Um, so I think in NBA in particular is a strategy that I find the most interesting uh, right now, especially this year with COVID and with uh, I guess right now, especially with, with the trade deadline. Um, things change quickly in the NBA. And I think one of the biggest edges is utilizing late swap. And on top of that, planning ahead for news that might come out after lock, I think is really important in NBA. Um, and I think that when you're doing that, particularly for those of us who use Fantasy Grunter, it's important to understand the tools that you use if you're using the Osmo tools. Um, so I just wanted to ask you a little bit about the tools that I'm using regularly. Uh, and I'm curious how Osmo handles projections for players with injury designations in NBA. So my understanding is if a player's list is probable, they're generally given their full projection. Players listed as doubtful, generally considered out in the Osmo projections. Uh, but questionable players is, is my bigger question. How do you handle questionable players when you are creating projections? Is it a case-by-case -case decision kind of based on, you know, whether they've been uh, what their in injury designa designations have been recently and what's happened. Uh, and do you sometimes, do you hedge a little bit? Do you give player a little bit less than their full projection if their list is questionable and give other players in the lineup a little boost? How do you, how do you handle that when you're creating your projections? As far as projections uh, for Osimo, like uh, we generally assume that questionable players will play. And it's not necessarily that it's wrong to, assume that they won't play like either one is valid a questionable player usually plays about half the time but from like a, we have a lot of people of varying skill levels like using the projections and the tools so like the problem that people have is that uh if someone that they have in their lineup gets ruled out then they know they have to make some swaps but if uh someone that they don't have in their lineup is ruled out they might not know that so if we just go into a slate, assuming like, for instance, okay, Bam Adebayo missed shoot around, therefore uh, Dwayne Dedman would be a really good value if he's out. But then, <clears throat> yeah, okay, so like we assume that he's out and then we have the projections, everyone gets onto a lot of Dwayne Dedman, but then he gets ruled in and a lot of users might not know to swap and they just are gonna be in a really tough spot. So just having the questionable players in is, uh, is more just to make sure that everyone has a good good lineup uh, more than it is uh, strategic. I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. And those of us who are more experienced, obviously, we kind of know that we need to make changes in those scenarios. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so how would you recommend planning for potential late news in that case? For, for players who are a little bit more experienced, kind of know what they're doing, um, 
do you use the projections exactly as posted or are there times when you might take a gamble on a player who's questionable, assume they're out, play some of uh, Dwayne Dedman in the example that you gave, just because you know that he's going to project so well in the case that he, in the case that Bam Adebayo is out. Do you make like, you know, 75 lineups where you assume Bam is in and 75 that you assume he's out? Or how, how do you handle it when you're uh, planning ahead for players potentially being out? Yeah, I think that uh, having some lineups that cover both scenarios when you like pencil in your lineup, that's a great strategy. It's not exactly what I utilize. I think that's uh, that that is a great idea. But um, what I've been doing recently, there's there's a few ways I like execute a late swap strategy. Like in addition to just kind of uh, just making the best lineups at lock. Um, so one, like all of them use Fancy Cruncher in some way or another. So the first one is the groups feature where like my general belief is that you need at least three roster spots to be able to take advantage of a late news uh, situation. So I'll set a group that I'll just like say Portland, the Lakers, Kings, and Jazz are all the late teams. So I'll make a group with all those players. I'll say I need at least three of those players in my lineup. So every single lineup I'll have on that slate could have a player, uh, a, a situation where I can late swap. The other way you can do it is you can use a boost feature where uh, there's there's a few ways to do it. One is you can thumbs up players on Fancy Cruncher or just add points to their projection. But um, generally, all things being equal, players in later games are going to be more valuable as long as you have the roster spots to swap. So it doesn't make sense to kind of like boost the projections at lock for, for late slate players. And... Uh, I think that a combination of those two is especially powerful because then you'll have at least like X players in late games, but a lot of times more. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, it changes for me slate to slate. So uh, glad to hear that you have kind of varying strategies as well. Um, well the, one of the, the tricky part is you, you, this is where you really have to use your MBA expertise to get the edge. You have to know like how important each piece of news is going to be for that slate. So that's going to drive a lot because like you're, you're giving up an opportunity cost by, by playing for the late swap where like maybe you're, you're prioritizing these late slate guys at the expense of the early slate. So that, that can be a gamble that, that backfires as much as it pays off. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. And I, I probably shouldn't be saying this as somebody who touts NFL, but uh, I find NBA shows by far the most useful. I listen every day to the deeper dive live before lock. I just think that it's so useful to hear what people who are really invested in this stuff are doing, how they're preparing for these different scenarios, what they think the likelihood is of a player being out. Um, so I, I really utilize the awesome shows for NBA in particular, uh, just because I think that there are so many moving parts and it's really interesting to hear what other great players are doing. Um, so shout out, shout out to the awesome NBA guys. They do a great job. Um, in, in terms of projections, so on DraftKings, I'm just curious about this. Hadn't really given this that much thought uh, in terms of how the projections are actually done. On DraftKings, players get bonuses for double-doubles, triple-doubles. Obviously, in NFL, they also get yardage bonuses, that kind of stuff. Is that accounted for in the projections? Yeah, I mean, every category is. Like, I, I think that for most categories, we have, like, a stat breakdown on the site. But, yeah, I think you're right. There's not a triple-double or double-double 
Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better at Aquavita. Visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. Uh, that's published, but we do have projections for, for every category pr- pretty much like, uh, for any, any major sport. Okay. So then, so in that case, if a player say, say a player is projected for 9.9 points and 10.0 rebounds, uh, does he then get a, a big boost if, if you, if you then instead is projected for 10.0 and 10.0, like what would a player that projects that slightly differently in terms of the actual stats, could the projection that Osmo spits out be, you know, different by what is that a point and a half for for a double double? Uh, is that a scenario where it would be different by that much just by that slight difference? Well, I think it's uh, like that would be something if you're using like a simulation, you could you could try to like figure out okay, like if he does well, he's gonna get that extra boost. If he doesn't, like okay. doesn't. So it's, that's kind of like how you like utilize that. But in a projection, we're just kind of like this guy based on a 9.9 point projection and 10 rebounds or something like that, then like the probability against over 10 in both categories might be somewhere in the 25 to 50% range. So okay. we just add that times the, the bonus. Got it. That makes sense. Um, a question that I was recently asked about the boom bus tool, which I use the boom bus tool all the time. I answered this question, but I want to hear if it's, uh, if you answer it the exact same way. So somebody asked me uh, that sometimes two players with essentially the same salary uh, have approximately the same projection, but then one of them will have about twice the boom probability of the other. How do you account for that in the boom bust tool, or, or where? How does that difference come in? So we're doing our best to try to predict the volatility of each player, and like any NBA fans, going to know that some players have bigger ceilings than others, and it, a lot of it's like uh, based on how many fantasy points they score when they're on the court, like Javale McGee. He's like a fancy point per minute plus guy. So like even though he doesn't get the minutes, like volatility is huge. Whereas Tony Snell, like he like rarely scores fancy points when he's on the court. So like these guys, like Tony Snell could play 30 minutes and have the same projection as JaVale McGee at 15, but the standard deviation of those two would be a lot different. Okay. Yep, that's approximately what I said. Uh, you say it a little bit better than I think I do uh, with your, your math background, uh, really well said. Um, another question that I just received this morning, actually, from my cousin. He asked me, if I wanted to get more serious about DFS, what are the steps you take looking back from where you started to where you are now? What would you recommend for somebody who's kind of new to DFS or has been playing for a long time even but wants to get a little bit more serious about it? What are first steps, you think, for, for taking DFS more seriously? So I think, like, first you want to have access to, to the tools uh, that you're going to use because basically that's a jump start where, okay, like now – you don't have to worry about like uh, how to project different guys. Like we're doing that heavy lifting for you and it allows you to concentrate on the strategy. And for the strategy, like I think that in most cases, like someone that's a fan of the sport will be able to look at a lineup and be like, okay, this lineup makes a lot of sense strategically or it doesn't. And it's like that combination of your intuition plus the tools like saying that a lineup is good or versus bad that's a really powerful way to, to 
to get a huge head start compared to like doing everything yourself. Okay. And that, I mean, that's, that's the approach that I took. I, I won hundred thousand dollars a couple of years ago. And literally I think that night or the next day, uh, whenever I had enough money in my bank account to subscribe, I subscribed to awesome. plus with fantasy cruncher, got into it immediately. I, I had the same thought process that I wanted to immediately utilize the, all the tools that I could, uh, because I thought that was probably the best way to get a lot better and worked out for me. What would you say if somebody doesn't have, you know, uh, enough money to buy a full awesome plus subscription with fantasy cruncher, uh, are there other tools that are, you know, less expensive that you think somebody could as a beginner get into right away that, uh, would be, you know, best bang for your buck. If you only have say, you know, $15 a month that you can spend, uh, on tools. Oh yeah, definitely. I think that, uh, so one thing I'll mention there, there's like the free tools of the day. So it's always good to keep an eye out for those. And then the express membership, like uh, a really underrated feature of our site is the lineup builder where, uh, it's for like hand building and it kind of gives you like, uh, if you get the express membership, which is our budget option, it gives you like letter grades for each player. But the really powerful part of it is once you finish your lineup, it gives you feedback telling you, okay, this lineup's projection stacks up versus the field. Like it's better than 90% of projected lineups or 80% or maybe it's not projected well, but that's like a really good uh, data point. And then the other one is how high owned it is compared to the field where like a, a, a good GPP lineup is gonna have some combination of good projection and favorable ownership. Uh, it, it varies a little bit based on sports. So NBA, I'd say you probably want it to be better than like 80% of the lineups in projection. And you only need to be better than maybe 30% in ownership. But for other sports that are more volatile, it, it's a little bit of a different balance. So it's kind of like fine tuning that strategy. Okay. That makes sense. Let's take a quick break from our conversation to talk about our sponsor. High Stakes is brought to you by No House Advantage. Noah's Advantage is bringing you a different way to enjoy DFS with player props contests. It's 100% peer-to-peer to help level the playing field. Over 500 player props are offered, and all new users get a $25 deposit bonus with promo code AWESEMO. That's A-W-E-S-E-M-O. No House Advantage offers mass entry capability and has big prize pools. Beat your friends, not the house. Use Awesomo's No House Advantage projections and optimal lineup tool to help you take down big prizes today. Download in the App Store or play on nohouseadvantage.com. Now I'd like to pivot a little bit to talk about Awesomo, the company, something that has always really interested me and I think it interests a lot of other people also. You say that you're taking a step back from playing to focus on the company a little bit more. In the three years or so that I've been following Awesomo, I've noticed a pretty huge growth, not just in the number of subscribers uh, on YouTube and on the site, have increased by tens of thousands, but also the site has expanded its offerings and even expanded into other realms such as sports betting and even a little bit of gossip with side action, which uh, I feel like I click every day. <laughs> they suck me in with those those titles. Uh, I get the sense that awesome.com might ultimately be a lot bigger than just a site for DFS tools. Do you have a vision for where you'd like the site to go or are you just kind of playing it year by, uh, playing it by year? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that the the industry is like evolving so rapidly where like three years ago when we started the company, or I guess it's four years ago at this point, uh, most of it was just DFS. But then a couple of years back, there was that big Supreme Court decision, which legalized sports betting. So that opened up a huge uh, potential. And I think like we've been really exploring 
uh, how can we take all of the work we've done for DFS to be good sports betters? And that's kind of been <clears throat> the uh, odd shopper wing of the company. And then we have the fantasy football as well, where like we have the, the projections for NFL that we feel like are the best. So it was easy to kind of put that into a season long format. And we're really aiming to give people like the best, um, the best tools for fantasy football. And uh, then like, I think there, there might be different opportunities down the road as well that might not be easy to see like NFTs have exploded and there's some gamified ones like so rare and top shot. Um, so that's one possibility, but there, there may be other games that, that become popular. I think that we'd be pretty well equipped to handle all those and be able to provide a lot of uh, resources and tools. So uh, the one thing I know is that the company has gotten a lot bigger uh, over the last four years. Like kind of like we were like, let's use the name Osimo uh, because like people already like seen that name on the leaderboards. It has this recognition, but it's kind of like evolved into this new thing. So it's really exciting to see, uh, you know, what's next. Yeah, I think uh, when I first learned about Awesome of the company, of course, I already knew the name because I had seen you at the top of leaderboards and stuff. When I first discovered the company, I kind of thought Awesome was like four guys, like four buddies doing a site, you know, Adam, Josh, Lafi, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what I thought exactly, but, you know, I didn't realize how big of a company it is. And now kind of get a peek behind the glass, see that it's actually a very large company. You've also uh, expanded into best ball, I noticed, pretty, pretty quickly. I mean, best ball was it just kind of took off last year and, all of a sudden you're doing projections and you're making it uh, uploadable to underdog and stuff. So it's been pretty, uh, pretty nice for me as somebody who's getting into best ball to have uh, the Osmo tools there to be utilized. Um, yeah, so one of uh, the guys that won a million bucks on DraftKings in best ball had the Osmo logo and he, he, he posted this video on Twitter that night. It was really awesome. So yeah. it's always great to see people like not only using the tools, but having that level of success. Yeah, I got to meet Felix uh, in Arizona nice. just briefly. We didn't we didn't talk for long, but he's a really nice guy. So very excited for him that he was able to take it down uh, using the Osmo tools in best ball. Um, also, with, with the growth of the company, it seems like there's a pretty regular flow of new employees and contributors to the company, myself included, just started this year. Uh, there also seems to be a regular flow of DFS players on social media who would love to get some work creating DFS related to content. I see that all the time. People post in their screenshots, hey, I won. $50,000 uh, put me on a show. <laughs> I feel like I see that pretty regular. People really want to be involved with Awesome O, uh, doing shows, maybe doing some writing. Uh, winning contests obviously helps. What else can people interested in doing content do to get in the door as a contributor or employee at Awesome O? Yeah, I think that is a question that a lot of people have is like that we all have this shared interest in, in, in playing DFS or sports betting or fantasy football. And like, it's all about, like, how can I monetize this, like, the best way? So, like, that's obviously an approach I took where, like, uh, I, I was doing pretty well playing, but, like, there's a lot of potential in, in other areas. So, from a content perspective, I think that uh, the best way to get into the industry is probably to, like, start your own channel and show that you can, uh, you can do some good content. I know a lot of guys that work for the site now kind of, like, started off that way where... You had like Matt Gajeski doing a ton of like MMA and college football. Gundacker has his own stream. Uh, and uh, I mean, other guys as well. I know Greg Ehrenberg, he, he kind of 
started off with Basketball Monster and then also went to DKA Live. Uh, so I think just getting your foot in the door, like getting some experience. Uh, and if it's not possible to just get a job in the industry immediately, then just creating the content and putting it out there and generating that social media presence. Like all those are, are things that are going to look really attractive when we do look for, for new contributors. Okay. Yep. That makes sense to me. You kind of want to see that somebody can not just win, but also make content that makes sense. That is understandable to people outside of that person's beautiful brain. Uh, make sure other people can understand what they're saying as well. Makes a lot of sense. Now, Osmo, I kind of believe that I was the target audience for the Osmo tools. Uh, I took DFS very seriously even before I subscribed to Osmo, but I was, you know, watching the shows. But I had I had a full time job, so it wasn't really feasible for me to create my own projections, run my own simulations. I just didn't have the time for it. I think there's a lot of DFS players out there who, like me, have been pretty successful at DFS without needing to be innovative or truly unique in our approach because of the Osmo tools. Do you ever regret that? Do you ever regret creating a site that in effect made it more difficult for you to win at DFS? Or do you think that it was inevitable that tools similar to those at Osmo would have made it public by now? I think that, uh, I mean, I, I came from a poker background and a similar transition happened in poker where like people started making more and more like learning resources over time. So I did see it as kind of an inevitability that would happen. But when we started the company, like there were other companies kind of trying to, you know, uh, that already existed that were doing similar things to what we did. But what the reason why we saw a market opportunity is because like going to all these live events, people would always come up and be like, I want to play like you. But it's kind of what you're saying where like, it's just hard like to, to do it all when you have a full-time job and a family. So that's really where we wanted to to bridge the gap because like um, the way I saw it is like you had all these sharps that were like playing DFS 80 hours a week, some of them and running away with all the money. And then uh, I, I think that your average uh, fantasy aficionado was kind of getting left in the dust a little bit. So that's really, like I, I saw that as kind of an unsustainable path for the industry in general, because like that's not a very like healthy ecosystem to become a part of. And then like we, I think that uh, having at least some tools that you can feel really confident in to, to help you with your lineups, that, that makes the fantasy experience a lot better for everyone. Okay. Yeah. I definitely appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> speaking, speaking of the eight hours a week, I just want to touch on that for a second. I know that you, you're referencing Chess is Okay, who made the statement that he works 80, he, while he was playing DFS as a pro, was working 80 hours a week. I saw Adam share uh, post kind of in his defense that if you're doing all of your own stuff, it is necessary. He said that he thinks that he used to work 80 hours a week. I've seen Travis Petty say something similar. I'm curious, how, how many players do you think there are that put in, let's say over 70 hours per week? How many players do you think are actually putting in that level of work uh, every week? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's an interesting thing to speculate on. Uh, I mean, I think most, uh, most people, even pros, like leverage a lot of tools and... Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. 
Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, content into their process. Like you were saying, uh, you know, how you watch the NBA shows uh, every day. Like, and I think that was what I did before, like, the site existed. Just because, like, it helps you get in that headspace and kind of, like, be aware of everything that's going on. So, I do feel like um, like one of the reasons why I watch shows before starting the company is like, it's like information aggregation where like, it's really difficult as one person to like absorb all the information happening. So like one of the roles of people that, that are doing analysis is kind of being able to process all that and communicate the important information so that you don't have to kind of like scour the internet for every every little thing and I think that uh, like the word like maybe 80, 80 hours a week like making your own projections and uh and all that is maybe not the best way to to become a pro but certainly it has a lot of upside so um I think that <laughs> like the, the part where 80 hours a week could come in is if you try to do every single sport and do it all yourself because like there's really limitless opportunities to play DFS. Yeah, I will say, uh, so for me personally, prior to discovering Awesome-O, I kind of had that in my mind that I would eventually create my own tools, uh, but I didn't have the math background uh, and didn't really have coding background. I mean, I, I have kind of a mathematical brain. I kind of have done some coding in the past, but definitely do not have the ability to create the Awesome-O tool. So I had it in the back of my mind. Someday I'm gonna you know, take classes, learn how to do this. And then once I discovered the Awesome tools, I'm like, there's really no reason for me to spend all that time. Uh, I'm just, I'm not going to do it because you've already done it for me. So I, I don't feel that it's necessary for me. But then I understand, obviously, if guys are doing their own projections and some of the, some of the top players in the world, I know, do do their own projections, do their own simulations. So in their case, if you really want to get to that top level, like guys like you or close to you, uh, maybe, maybe it's necessary to uh, kind of create your own stuff to get truly unique. But I definitely feel like just using the Osmo tools has been, has you know, I've been pretty successful with them. I know a lot of people have been very successful with the Osmo tools. So it doesn't seem as necessary as maybe it did uh, a few years ago when these kinds of tools weren't available. I think that's kind of what Adam was saying was he used to do his own projections. He, you know, so maybe, maybe it used to be more necessary, but these days, yeah, I, I don't really think there's that many people putting in quite that much work uh, unless you count, you know, tracking the game throughout the entire NBA night waiting for injury news. Maybe in that case, you're putting in close to it, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, like the tough part too is like we're constantly working to improve these projections too. So it's like it's a little bit of an uphill battle to like first get to that level of like different projections out there. Like uh, I feel pretty confident in ours and then also like continue to like research and develop them because like we're spending a ton of time every week. We, we have kind of a, a, a team that that works on all this stuff now, like including Sean Zahn and, and Steve Buzzard, the Colts, uh, like from the projection standpoint that we're all trying to like really sharpen the models and also the day-to-day -day analysis. So uh, 
the the tricky part is staying ahead of that curve, I guess. And there's a like the important thing is you just have to figure out what's the best way to get an edge. And you have interesting like people in the community. Like some guys try to do like their own projections. Then you got a guy like whistles go woo, and he's like, I'm gonna take all this academia that I used and like put this theory into practice. So like uh, there's a lot of different types of people having success out there and like approaching it in totally different ways. Yeah, that's for sure. I talked to one of Whistle's friends who seems to be kind of part of the Whistle's team a little bit <laughs> in Arizona. It seems like he's got, you know, people people helping him out. He's a really sharp guy. But yeah, not many of us can do uh, what, what Whistle's does or what you do. So I think for most of us, just, just using the site. And again, speaking of the 80 hours that I don't have to do, part of the reason that I don't have to do it, that most of us who use the site don't have to do it, is because guys like Sean, John, and Steve Buzzard, and you are putting in the work behind the scenes, saving us a lot of time. So that's really nice. Um, speaking of the tools, I'm curious, do you ever feel hamstrung by the tools? I feel like I would, if I publish tools for, for other people to use, you have to be a little bit conservative, I imagine, in, in the projections that you put out. You can't just put out kind of outlandish numbers. You can't use your gut to be like, I think this guy who got zero carries is going to get, you know, 15 carries this game. Do you ever feel like that kind of hamstrings you uh, in the sense that you feel more obligated to do what the tools tell you to do rather than kind of following your intuition? An example that I uh, would, would give is, so there was a Monday Night Football game a few weeks back. Uh, where Philip Lindsay had recently signed with the Dolphins. Uh, he, in his first game with the Dolphins, he had zero carries, zero fantasy points. So the Osmo projections, of course, being a little bit conservative, uh, I think they projected him for zero. And I don't think that they could have reasonably projected him for much more than that because there was no real reason to believe that he would get a big workload. Um, they already had two running backs ahead of him on the roster. Um, but for me, I thought, well, intuitively, I feel like they could want to see what they have in their new running back. Obviously, Philip Lindsay is not like a young new guy that you really need to, but maybe they wanted to work about maybe that one week was enough. And sure enough, he, he got 13 carries that week. Didn't do anything with him, so it didn't hurt you if you didn't have him. Uh, but I'm curious if, if you ever feel that desire to like, man, I kind of feel like this guy might, you know, really go off. Like maybe they'll utilize him a lot more this game. I can't project it that way because... Obviously, it's not the likeliest scenario, but he's only projected for one percent ownership. Do you ever do you ever feel that kind of uh, desire to to do that? And do you, do you feel like you can't do it because you publish? Because like in that case, if you had had Philip Lindsay in your lineup and you won a million maker with Philip Lindsay in your lineup, you would have for sure gotten pushed back. As a guy who's publishing the stuff, uh, projected him for zero points, you would have gotten pushed back. So so do you do you stop yourself from playing guys like Philip Lindsay uh, if you if you don't feel like you can project him? Uh, in in a way that people would play him uh, based on your projections. Are you okay with just not playing those guys and just being like, I'm going to follow the projections and let guys like Neil go the wrong path and maybe once in a while it'll work out, but most of the time our projections are going to, you know, lead you where you want to be. How do you kind of approach that? Do you ever feel hamstrung by the tools? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I mean, I think that like I'm doing the projections a lot, but not not every slate. So if I see a player like Philip Lindsay, like not not exactly Philip Lindsay, but if I see a guy that I think might be a good play, and we're we're not projecting well, I'm always like, we gotta. I'm always telling the other guys like, let's look at this because uh, this is someone that I think is worth playing, and uh, like so I'm always trying to make sure that um, like the information we put out there. Like it has all the right players that, that we want to to recommend. Uh, I think that if uh, if I thought Philip Lindsay was going to play, then I would just have him in the projections, and then uh, 
play him you know if I thought he wasn't going to play yeah so I I feel like uh, there's that level of control that that allows me to do that but I think that um the uh the way I see the the industry a little bit is like there's there's kind of a market projection for every player as far as projections like a lot of it's based on like props or like the props are a good way to like evaluate the market and where the money is going so like the further that uh, our projection is from the market value, then the more confident we have to be in the data that that's supporting that. So I'm really trying to spend more time analyzing spots where our models are deviating a lot from the consensus uh, to make sure that those recommendations are good because that's when it can really bite you if you're wrong because you're kind of over leveraging based on the ownership and the projection. So you end up uh, with a lot of a player and you got to make sure it's for the right reasons. Give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. Be sure to also check out our monthly podcast giveaway. Just subscribe to our podcast channel and leave a five-star review with your Osmo username or Twitter handle to be entered to win a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Uh, I'd like to touch on social media just a little bit. Uh, a lot of people consider you the greatest of all time at DFS. I think you might also be the greatest of all time at social media, uh, with the exception of your at Alex Baker influencer Instagram account. Uh, you've only got up to 123 followers. I feel like you got a little bit of work to do there. Um, but on Twitter, you have over 44,000 followers, uh, which is impressive. Um, but I'm also always impressed that you seem to always keep up with your notifications. I feel like at least once a week, I see you responding to somebody on Twitter who has tweeted at you directly a high level question about the Osmo tools. And it's usually something that seems to me should have been directed to Osmo support, not just Alex himself. How do you do it? How do you, how do you keep up with so many people who want your time all the time? Uh, do you really respond to everybody like it seems like, or do you have to kind of pick and choose your responses? I think I don't think there's uh, that many different people like asking questions like that or like the one thing I'll say is uh, some platforms are easier than others like because like for for discord I, like I, I think I need to start a new discord account because like I was already signed up to like seven discords when we uh, started the discord and then like I'm getting like 15 DMs about different NFTs that people want to like, give for free and it's like like scams probably but uh, so like it can go us in the shuffle but Twitter uh, I'm always kind of like up to date on there and, and trying to answer any questions that I can on Twitter so I think uh, if you have some good questions that's probably the best way to, to get at me. Did you get suckered into buying some pooping ladies NFTs? <laughs> I've I bought I've gotten suckered into buying a lot of NFTs. I'll just say that. <laughs> That's fair enough. All right. Uh, as an aside, so speaking back back to social media, uh, we'll, I'd love to talk some more about NFTs. I don't know if we'll have time, um, but yeah, I would love to talk some NFT. Uh, you seem to catch some hate occasionally on Twitter. You get some people trash talking you, which not a huge surprise given that you are taking money from people pretty regularly by winning tournaments. Uh, some people are going to be upset, think that you're cheating. I don't know that you, you catch a little bit of hate. Um, but one thing that I love about the Osmo team is that everybody seems to kind of take it in stride. Everybody kind of makes a joke out of it when people give them shit. Uh, and I really appreciate that. I think it's uh, probably the best way to handle it. Don't, no need to kind of feed the trolls. Uh, but does it ever get to you? I'm curious if, if do, you just, do you just accept it, that that's part of the job? Uh, you're on top of your game, you're going to get some haters or d does it get to you occasionally? Oh yeah, it gets to me big time. Like 
So there's some guys that, that uh, they've hated on me on Twitter, and then, like, you'll never hear from them again. So people better be careful. But, uh, <laughs> no, I think that, uh, like, there's a good way to hate, which is, like, a funny way. And then there's people that are, like, uh, you know, you only win because you're winning, you're playing 150 lineups, and it's just kind of, like, trite at this point. Like, yeah. so uh, my recommendation to all the haters is you just got to, you got to be funny when you're, you're being hating. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just going to ignore it. If you're not funny, yeah. nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. I think that's I think that's pretty good advice. Uh, I'm also curious about the Alex Baker experience at live finals. Uh, I was really looking forward to hanging out with you at the Tournament of Champions last week. Ultimately, you weren't able to make it to Arizona. Uh, so I never got to learn the answer to something that I had kind of been wondering for a little while, which was, is Alex actually going to have any time to hang out with me? If you, if you had been in Arizona, <laughs> would you have any time to hang out with other participants? It seems like there are a lot of people who probably want a little bit of your time uh, at events like that with... DraftKings itself, people, employees, uh, especially with this Chasing the Goat program. Uh, but then also, I think every every participant there, you're a pretty recognizable guy that people are going to see and be like, that's Alex Baker. I'd like to talk to him. Uh, so I was kind of thinking, you probably wouldn't, you probably don't have a ton of time to hang out with individual people at live finals. Is that the case? Are you always pretty busy being, you know, kind of pulled in a lot of different directions? How does that go for you? Well, I think the live finals, like it's a pretty like select group of people that, that make it. I was really looking forward to going to the TOC. Uh, of course, some things are more important than DFS, like as it turns out. But uh, I think that, like, uh, when you qualify for a live final, it's like several days of, you know, hanging out. And, like, usually there's somewhere between 50 and 100 qualifiers that, that go to these. So it's a pretty small group. And you're at these events for like 10 hours or more. So it's really like ample opportunity to, to talk to everyone. So, I was like, uh, when people, uh, I, I like hearing people's stories, especially if they, if they have like come up using our tools, like this one guy at the last live final was telling me how he, he only had 3000 bucks and he got laid off of his job, uh, be, because of COVID or something. And then he like turned it into hundreds of thousands of dollars over the last two years. So like, it's always fun hearing those kind of stories and, uh, it's always good meeting people at live finals. I mean, a lot of the people, uh, a lot of the business connections I made have been through live finals, like Tom Kennedy, the co-founder, we went to the Scottish golf experience together and, and got to know each other there. Uh, Steve Buzzard, I met him at a ton of live finals and eventually we, we, we convinced him to join the team and Sean Zahn uh, also, he's funny because he lives in Chicago, but uh, like we also met at the Denver live finals. So uh, yeah, I think that like one of the underrated parts of the live final is, is just getting to know all these other guys in the industry and being able to, 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 to meet some people that could be really, uh, really valuable to know. Yeah, I definitely have loved the, the two live finals that I've been to. Been a great time getting to know a lot of different people. Obviously, it would have been awesome to, to get to know you, but I guess I'll have to shoot some for, for some more live finals in the future. Uh, sadly, I haven't been able to get any tickets to any other live finals. Sore subject for me, uh, but uh, you know, maybe, maybe I'll keep trying to, uh, to get into the, the basketball live final or something so that we can hang out somewhere at some point. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. It's not a, it's not a source subject. I, I don't try that <laughs> in general to get to live finals. Not usually my priority, but not, uh, not something I've been successful at. Alex, do you have a, a hard out? I know we're, we're about five minutes from five o'clock Eastern time. Are you on the, uh, the show and, or did you um, just go I'm, to I'm good. Start we, we can go a little bit longer. 
Okay. Yeah, because I just have a couple more topics that I'd love to just touch on. Uh, one of them being NFTs. I, I mentioned that I wanted to talk about it a little bit. I know that you're you're super into Top Shot, uh, as as am I. We're, we're both uh, kind of bag holders in Top Shot. We both kind of I think got in at exactly the wrong time. Uh, but I think I think that we're both still kind of bullish on Top Shot. Is that true for you? Are you are you feeling good about Top Shot? I was uh, I was watching a show, uh, just. Uh, I don't know when you did the show. I believe it was December where you said that Top Shot was uh, just not that fun for you. You you weren't really enjoying your Top Shot experience. I feel like since then they've ramped up the challenges and stuff a little bit to make it at least a little bit more interactive. I don't know if that's exactly what you're looking for. Um, are you are you enjoying your Top Shot experience at this point? Uh, are there things that you'd like to see them change? And are you still bullish long-term on the platform? Yeah, I think the Top Shot has stepped up their game in the last few months. It's they have a lot more like happening on the site and it seems like uh, they've kind of come up with a new normal. Like it, it's interesting because it, it kind of is prioritizing more of the fantasy value players instead of like the collectability of top shots, which is definitely intriguing to, to us as fantasy players. So it's kind of another way to leverage some, some insight there uh, in their flash challenges. So I think there, it, it's a pretty cool concept. A lot of times the execution <laughs> like uh, leaves a little bit to be desired, but uh, you know it's pretty new. So uh, yeah, I was also shocked to see that you, as a guy who I think a lot of people associate you with Cool Cats, because uh, you had so many Luka Doncic and you you were really into Cool Cats for a while. You sold all of your Cool Cats. I just looked yesterday. You you do not. You're not part of the Nine Lives Lounge. Is that just is there just too much pain there for you? Uh, buying the buying the top, selling the bottom. I feel like that's that's where most of your bag comes from. Is just the cool cats. Are you ever going to overcome that and join the Nine Lives Lounge, or are you just uh, a, are you just somebody who doesn't ever want to be in the Nine Lives Lounge? You just have too much pain related to it. It's really the pain, like that that made me sell them off because especially with that that stimmy, maybe I could have bought them back. But uh, yeah, I think like one of the things I just don't like that Lamelo moment with the dunk that's like that key piece uh yeah or the luca one so i'm like i don't know if i, I love these moments and they cost a small fortune so yeah that's, that's kind of the, the reason it's funny to hear you say that uh, that you don't like the moments in particular because i feel like in, lo in looking through your portfolio which i did just kind of preparing for the show uh I see that you have sort of a similar philosophy to me, at least in terms of your holdings, in that you have a lot of badge players. You, you have a lot of top shot debuts and moments that have uh, that are challenge rewards and things like that uh, that I think are kind of the, the long-term play is kind of the, the top shot rewards. Um, but you, you still do. You factor in the actual play. So, I mean, talk about bad LaMelo moment. You see the LaMelo first moment, the top shot debut, that assist <laughs> is probably the worst moment on the site, which is a really unfortunate thing for it to be LaMelo's top shot debut um how much do you think you factor in the the badges versus the the moment itself uh well i think the badges are interesting from the flash challenge perspective but like lamal is a good example where i feel like they have that moment of his first points uh which as a moment is so much more compelling than the the assist to gordon hayward so that's my lean uh but they've they found ways to add value to the badge itself so like i think either way makes sense Okay. Um, and just going outside the uh, the Top Shot realm just briefly with NFTs. Uh, I know that you've been big in the Tops wooden coins. Are those, <laughs> are, is that exactly what I think they are? Is it just a wooden coin? Is there nothing more to those NFTs? Do you still have a lot of those? Are they, do, do you believe in those long-term or is that just something that you, you thought Tops is going to be doing more with it and they haven't yet? What's the deal with those? 
So yeah, the, the wooden coins is a joke, but okay. uh, so there was some big news with Tops that Fanatics bought them a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Fanatics, like people might not realize this, but their CEO is the former CEO of FanDuel, Matt King. And it sounds like they're trying to really build this this big company that that's going to, I think Fanatics more had been in like uh, apparel previously, but it sounds like they're going to be more like sports betting, NFTs, uh, plus what, whatever they have already. So um, that was a really bullish sign for people that have tops NFTs because they had lost their license and the future was very uncertain, but uh, that is one that if you look at the prices of the star players on tops versus top shot, like it's just like such a huge price discrepancy that if it ever took off, it could be a big, uh, big thing. I didn't even know if they had tops NFTs that were uh, player related. So maybe, maybe that's something I need to look into. Um, <laughs> are you familiar with the, the candy MLB NFTs at all? I, I'm a little bit familiar. I know that okay. they started off with like stadiums and they they don't uh, like, yeah, I, I don't know too much about it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they, they released some packs. I bought a few because my cousin pointed that out to me. They had like an all-star set and various sets. Uh, it seems like it's licensed by MLB. So maybe, maybe something to look into if you're uh, also to look into if you're interested in MLB NFTs. Uh, how about outside of Outside of those sports, uh, do you have do you have any? You say that you have a lot of NFTs. Anything that you're really bullish on, that you're really high on? Uh, any like uh, huge ones that, that I don't know about CryptoPunks or like <laughs> apes? Do you have anything like that, or are you uh, do you kind of just invest a little bit in what what do, what do you what are you holding these days? Oh man, I feel so bad because I met uh, this guy at one of the finals uh, for Fanduel. His name's Haas the Boss, uh, and he was like, "Dude, you gotta buy an ape." and it was like 50k at that point so it wasn't early he's like like from the business perspective like you can just be like ape follow ape it'll be like all these people that that get into it but like i didn't take him up on his advice i bought eth instead because i was like oh that that's like the the currency of nfts but that that flopped and apes really have held strong so my yeah. intuition in nfts has not been very good <laughs> yeah me neither i so I, I bought into apes and i made some profit there but i definitely sold i sold my last ape i think literally like a day or two days before uh, both steph curry bought an ape and changed it to his profile picture and then they also announced that mutants were coming out like that weekend so i lost a lot of value in and not holding on to my ape a little bit longer uh huge bummer for me there have you heard of i, got, I gotta ask you have you heard of the ballers nfts it's my profile picture so if you've seen my <laughs> my twitter profile picture you've seen ballers uh have you bought any ballers on the flow blockchain have you thought about it uh i'm not trying i'm not going to make this a shill cast but i just got to ask about that one yeah i think uh ballers uh I, I'm kind of intrigued. Like, it seems like it's kind of the same as other NFTs, but on the flow blockchain. But I just, uh, I haven't ever gotten into the, like, the avatar NFTs. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know what to make of it. I'm, I'm bullish on it. But like I said, I'm not going to shill it here because honestly, I also do not have a great uh, history with my NFT purchases. So uh, I'm not somebody that you necessarily want to be. You should be taking your advice elsewhere, I think, for, from other people on your NFT purchases. Um, 
I also want to just touch on really quickly this Chasing the Goat series. You mentioned on the Lowell's podcast that they might want to make it into a series that right now the episodes they're putting out are just kind of more like teasers or not like full episodes. They're each just like 10 minutes. Uh, have you gotten any update on that? Is that something that they're going forward with? Is there a new at least teaser episode coming out soon? Because, you know, guys like me, we can't get enough of that. What, what can we expect going forward? <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, I think that the idea, uh, it's funny because I always wanted to do reality TV. I had this trailer for the show Baker's Dozen that I made in college. That was going to be like a sequel to Flavor of Love. Are you going to, are you going to publish that for us? Cause I think we would, I think your audience would love to see that. It's, it's on YouTube. Uh, so oh, let me, if you Baker's go to Dozen. my personal account, uh, let me see if I can, it's, it's just under Alex Baker and okay. it has the trailer on there, but, uh, yeah, I think, Chasing the Goat, like, it was a really cool experience, and, like, it was awesome, like, shooting the show with uh, Whistles and Big T, and then, like, all the producers and, and people involved were great, uh, so I'm excited to see what comes of that. Like, the last I heard is that there's going to be a 22-minute pilot that they're going to pitch, and the funny thing is, like, we've gotten so much footage, like, most of it has never seen, like, these YouTube videos, but they're, like, if it gets picked up, like, usually they want you to, like, start over from scratch and redo oh. everything. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, we've barely started. <laughs> I mean, you got a, a fresh new wardrobe out of it, at the very least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, looking pretty good at, in your in your new duds. Um, yeah, that's uh, it's exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to see which direction that goes. Uh, I'm, I'm also, you, you mentioned that you're really interested in, uh, in shows like The Bachelor. Uh, what, where does that come from? Do you, do you actually watch every episode of The Bachelor? I can never tell to what extent you're serious, to what extent you're joking when you're pub when you're posting about The Bachelor on Twitter. Um, do you love The Bachelor? Are you are you a huge Bachelor fan? Uh, do you prefer The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? Uh, what, what's, your, what's your favorite there? How much do you watch? So I'm a Bachelor fan as far as, uh, you know, it's my wife's favorite show, so she makes me watch it. Okay. I would, uh, you know... Like, I think she, she wants to believe that I love The Bachelor, too. And maybe I do. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Like, I, honestly, uh, it's funny because, like, the people I'm rooting for are, like, the people that, that have a lot going on, like, in their life outside of, like, that influencer, like, lifestyle which they're very few and far between like yeah. maybe like every other season there'll be like some sort of like scientist or doctor uh and like those are the people that i'm rooting for but they never seem to make it very far dfs analyst sometimes <laughs> yeah oh yeah there was one guy that uh oh i mean chris randone's a good example and then on his season there was this guy that i think he was with pff or something so oh really uh, That's yeah funny. so there's some crossover i know tanner and Jade, they won that Millie Maker. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see who the next Bachelor fantasy player is. Okay. Yeah. I, I've had a similar experience. I, I used to watch The Bachelor with uh, my ex. So it was, I don't know, eight, nine years ago at this point. And I actually like really enjoyed it while we watched. And then like, as soon as we would not be together for an episode, I was like, there's no way I'm going to watch that without her. So I, I felt like maybe I enjoyed it. I sort of enjoyed watching it with her. I got kind of into it. And then it was just like, there's, there was no way I was going to watch it on my own. So uh, it's hard It's hard to know how much you actually enjoy it versus you just get into it briefly <laughs> in the moment. Um, speaking of just, just uh, we, we just touched on The Bachelor and we touched on NFTs. Uh, how is your your DeFi Ranger going? Speaking of your NFTs, I know you bought a, <laughs> a DeFi Ranger. Is that, uh, how's that looking these days? 
DeFi Ranger, I was excited when, when our buddy Chris Random had his own NFT, so I bought a couple. One has a YOLO necklace, so I was especially fond of that one. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like it. I, 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 it sounds like there was some rug pull by someone he was working with or something. So uh, I think that project might be dead, but I'm excited to see what, what he might come up with. All right, so that's not that's not going to be the one to take you to the moon. Sounds like that's yeah. unfortunate. Um, okay, well, I mean, we we've gone a little bit over time. I'm sure you want to get to your basketball lineup, so I won't keep you here any longer. Um, where can we find you? I know I know we, we can find you on Twitter at awesomeodfs. Uh, can find you doing content often here on the Osmo site, anywhere else. I mean, now people know that they need to check, find Alex Baker on YouTube to find your <laughs> own uh, reality show, uh, anywhere else that people can find you. Well, I think Alex Baker influencer. Uh, Alex Instagram. Baker influencer, yes. That, that was always going to be my side hustle. I even came up with this concept that uh, platter day, where you like have a different plaid on Saturdays. <laughs> oh man, yeah. that's really good. In, <laughs> oh, yeah. like uh and i see you got that that lumberjack plaid on maybe yeah. maybe i could influence you to try some more plaids maybe you already have and i just didn't <laughs> realize it that's kind of the strength of an influencer right yeah all right well thanks a lot for coming on alex it was really fun to talk with you uh as always hopefully i can have you back on sometime or I'm, I'm sure we'll do other shows together at some point uh on awesome uh it's good to have good to be able to talk to you about just kind of general stuff though so thanks a lot for coming on uh like i said you can find alex on twitter at awesome dfs you can find me on twitter at player q dfs uh thanks a lot enjoy your day With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.